Thanks, guys. Y'all give them a hand. They have done an incredible job leading worship for us this semester. Um, so this is our last Vespers of the semester. Uh, we have been working hard, working our way through Genesis 1 through 11, which is the origins of creation, of the world. Um, it's also known as like prehistory accounts. So it tells us a lot of where we come from and teaches us a lot of theology. Um, so tonight we're going to be ending our time in chapter 11. So we're going to go ahead and turn there if you have your Bibles. Uh, if you also, if you don't have a Bible of your own, we have some in the back if you would like to grab one and take it home with you. But it'll be up on the screen for you to follow along. So we're in chapter 11. We're reading the story about the Tower of Babel. So it says, Now the whole earth used the same language and the same words. It came about as they journeyed east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used the bricks for stone, and they used tar or for mortar. They said, Come, let us build for ourselves a city, a tower whose top will reach into the heavens, and let us make for ourselves a name. Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of man had built. The Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have the same language. And this is what they began to do. And now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. Okay, so this is our story called, we might have grown up hearing, the Tower of Babel. Um, and so what, what is happening here? Well, first of all, before this, up until this point, humanity had a single language. They had one way of communicating, uh, which was probably some form of Hebrew. But I think it's really hard for us to understand what a world would look like with just one language because we are so used to being in a world with tons of different languages, right? So this was a world when there was only one language. And then there were all these people that were scattered all over the earth, but they decided, hey, let's come together and let's build a tower together. Let's settle down here and build a tower or a fortress. And the place that they're settling down in is um, called Shinar, which is another name for Babylon, which we'll see throughout the Old Testament. And what they were building, this tower that was going to reach into the skies, was probably some form of a pyramid. So just imagine this giant pyramid that was going to go up into the clouds and that they thought that this was going to make a name for themselves. So we have the scene set. What's the sin here? What's the issue? Because unity is good, right? Unity is something we want to strive for as a, a community, as a follower, as followers of Jesus. And then also settling down seems like a good thing too, right? I mean, here at the Vista, if you've been around for a while, you've probably heard Austin and many of us say, be where your feet are. 
be where your feet are. That means be present where the Lord has you. So it seems like settling down to be a good thing, right? But these people are not acting out of faithfulness. They are acting out of fear. They're not acting out of faithfulness. They're acting out of fear. They're trying to provide their own way and make a name for themselves. They are not leaning into the power of God, but trying to create power for themselves and trying to create a life of autonomy, a life where they're in control, where they rule over their own lives. This should sound familiar. This is the sin struggle we've seen over and over as we've journeyed through Genesis 1 through 11. But again, these people are acting out of fear and trying to take control and they're building a fortress, honestly, is what they're building. And remember, when God created human beings, and he created Adam and Eve in the very beginning, what did he tell them to do? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, right? And then again, after the flood that we talked about last week, they got off the boat, Noah and his family, and what did he tell them? Again, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. It's a spreading out a filling of the earth. And what are these people doing? They're coming together, trying to take control of their own lives and create power for themselves. They're not listening to God's call. They're trying to take control over their own lives. And so the sin here is acting out of pride to make a name for themselves. They're acting out of pride to make a name for themselves. And I think if we're being honest, we can all relate to this struggle. We can all relate to this because we are all probably trying to make a name for ourselves, right? Like that is what the world tells us to do. Make a name for yourself. Do something that people are gonna remember you for. Especially at UMHB or whatever college campus you're on, you wanna be remembered, right? Like you wanna be that person that left an impact. You want to make a name for yourself, but if you are making a name for yourself, um, if that is rooted out of pride, if that is rooted out of motivation to puff you up, to take control over your own life, it is going to fail you every time. It is never going to satisfy you. It's never going to be enough. Because, y'all, the only name that matters for us the only identity that matters for our lives is that we are sons and daughters of Christ. That is the name that we need to be leaning into. That's the identity that we need to build our foundation on. And then everything else that comes from that, every other name that we want to tag on behind it, and even if they're good things, it has to come after the fact that we have accepted the name that we are sons and daughters. We are image bearers of Christ. We are a part of God's family. That is the most important identity that we can step into. Okay, and then, then you can ask, okay, God, what else do you want from me here on this earth? But when things change, when things don't go your way because they're not, then your foundation won't be shaken because you know where your true identity is, right? You know where your true identity is. So our first question that we're going to talk about tonight is, what is the name that you're making for yourself right now? What is the name that you're making for yourself? Where are you spending your energy? What do you want people to remember you as? 
be honest, you don't have to give the perfect answer right now. We're talking about what are you actually doing to make a name for yourself. So when I think about this question for me, I think Sydney, so a helpful way to think about it is like Sydney the blank. What, what am I saying? What am I wanting to fill in the blank with? And obviously, yes, the right answer should be Sydney, a daughter of Christ. But often I get distracted and I want to be Sydney, the college pastor, or Sydney, the good friend, or the list goes on and on. So what is the name that you're making for yourself? Y'all talk about it. All right. Anyone want to share what their table talked about? Nolan? Oh, you find someone over there? Oh, Bailey, got it. Hello. There we Sorry. go. <laughs> um, so for me, what I said was, I brought up, like, since I got baptized on Sunday, what... Thank you. The name that I said for myself was a reborn again Christian girl. Because, um, I mean, I also said I was a nursing, like I wanted to be a nurse, but that's not like my like main mm-hmm. person or main thing right now because I'm not a nurse yet. But since like my whole, like I've openly devoured my journey with Christ on Sunday, I that's why I said I'm a devoting Christian yeah. girl. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, baptism is putting that out there, that this is, yeah, my identity. That's awesome. Proud of you. Thank you. Anyone else want to share? Okay, so I'm Ashley. Um, One thing I shared is that I think I'm making a name for myself on just being a good sister. I have um, three brothers, and so it's hard for me sometimes to be a good sister, um, genuinely. And then also just being a good sister in Christ towards others and towards my friends. And um, yeah, so I think that's the name making for myself is just sister to others. That is a, a really good name. But like what we talked about, if you're not first rooted and accepted your identity as a daughter, then you're going to fail a, as a sister. And when you do fail, you have to be able to lean back into the fact that you're first a daughter and that's your number one identity. But, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Hello. Uh, first of all, I want to compliment you about the question. That's a really good question. And uh, basically, go say that. Let me know. Uh, let me know your question, and we know who you are. So, and, and another one, like because when you question, it means you put your mindset on that question. So, I really like your question, and I will answer the question. And there's coincidence that, like a few weeks ago, I stuck with that stuff like that. Like, how about the arrogant ego? And if you do something good. And somebody compliment you, is that the ego, arrogant, or anything else? So what's the right or wrong? And then I look up in the internet and I see this formula about saying that the first one, self-deprecating, confident, uh, proud, arrogant, and ego. So 
So the two points from the that that formula that's a the proud and, and the arrogant is really low together. If if proud yourself that's okay, but just, you just move little up little bit up, it's called arrogant. So that's that's gonna be big you must be careful with between proud and and arrogant. Mm. And the last one, that ego. That's the most disgusting that's the most disgusting because when you when you awareness you do the you do, you do the wrong thing and you change you change it but when you have the huge ego you know you're wrong you still you still don't want to change it mm. that's the ego yeah. and the sudden uh, they know they believe God he believe God he believe God and he still do the wrong thing he still do subdue the human against God because but he still believe God but he still doing it but, but he know he going to hell in, in at the end but he still doing because his ego are really huge. Mm. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, it, it is dangerous to get caught up in, in that for sure. And pride, pride will eventually, we will get humbled. But yeah, thanks for sharing, David. David, what were y'all table over here? What were y'all talking about, like how we introduce ourselves? You know, we're talk, I heard you talking about something like that. Uh, so we were kind of talking about how as college students, We'll introduce ourselves, and the first thing we go to is, I know you're a college student, so I'm going to ask, what's your major? Mm-hmm. You know, because that's how I identify you, that's how I see you, and that's the what I know you as. Um, and it's not like, I'm David, What or like, hi, Abby. It's not, what's your favorite Bible verse? It's <laughs> what's your major, you know? Yeah. It's that kind of thing. Or even, what's your favorite coffee, or something like that. Um, and so I think it's really important, or... It's mainly like, what do we spend the most of our time doing? Mm. Um, and kind of like what David was saying with ego, um, what, how do we want people to see us? That's where we're going to spend the most of our time. Yeah. Um, so like personally, I want, I'm going to school to be a physical therapist. That's the end goal. Mm. And so right now, I'm, the name I'm making for myself is building upon that. Mm. Um, but right now, currently, I'm David the student. Mm. You know, David the PT applicant yeah. and whatever it is um, instead of just David son of, or a child of God yeah. you know so it's really like be careful with where you spend your time yeah for Very sure important. Abby, you for that? Yeah. I was thinking about <laughs> yeah he was, he was saying something that made me think about I think a lot of times like if you go to school like high school middle school kindergarten all that you build up and like when you get to your senior year of high school I mean it starts to happen before that everyone in the world especially the world they tell you like go figure out what you're going to be in college like college is the time to figure out who you are what you do but like the you know the whole idea of it is you should already know who you are if you know who Christ is and you come to love him and have faith like you should know like your identity is in Christ but we were kind of talking about it at the table why is it like a lot of times we struggle with like why is that not enough Mm -hmm. like I'm a student right now. My focus is, like, trying to become a nurse, and I have a job. And, like, those are all the things that are always on my mind. That's my schedule. Like, that's my bam, bam, bam. But, like, why can't I just have peace in the fact that I am a daughter of Christ? Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're right. Like, until you have peace in that, you're always going to be chasing after the next thing. And and that's exhausting. And, yeah, you're never going to make it. But I think it's really hard for y'all, us as college students, we definitely identify by what we're studying, what we're going to school for, what organization you're involved in. And then once you get out of college, like 
no one really cares about the organizations that you were involved in. I mean, and so you have to be secure in who God has called you to be. Um, and that that is the most important identity. Yeah, yeah, that was really good, guys. So God is realizing that these people are headed in a really not so great direction. Um, they are trying to take control and make themselves God, like we've seen again over and over again throughout these stories. And so God steps in, and what does he do? How does he respond? He confuses their language. He confuses their language, which I think is a really interesting thing. Like God could have done so many different disciplines at this moment, but he decides to confuse their language. And y'all, language is so important, right? Like that is what a big thing that makes us human, our ability to communicate with each other. That's what brings us together. It's how we express love towards each other. Um, It's how we bring unity within our community. Um, So, Language is important. Um, I want to share a little story. We, Aaron and I, got to go on a mission trip with Signs of Love, which is one of our global partners here at the Vista. Um, so we went to Honduras with them. We can throw these the pictures up on the screen if, if you got them. Got pictures over? Oh, they're there. Yay. Um, so this was a group of us. Aaron's not in that picture. But we... What Signs of Love does is in different countries, people who are deaf are not treated like humans because they are able to have access to language, which is this really sad thing. They're like literally treated as animals. Um, and it's, it's heartbreaking. And so Signs of Love has made their mission to go to countries like Honduras and find, they, we call, they call it Easter egg hunting. We would go from village to village, find, looking for deaf people. And so we found this little boy down there at the, on the right. Um, yeah, his name is Carlos. And when we met Carlos, he didn't even know his name. Um, he had no language. He had no way to even express what his name was. Uh, and so this ministry is just beautiful and it has a really special place in my heart because it's helping people with no language find language because language is so important for us as humans, right? And so I think this is beautiful. Um, We can take it down now. But uh, language is so important, so important. And it is an act of grace that God didn't wipe away all our language, all our ability to communicate. But what he did is he confused the language of these people. So sin affects our ability to communicate. Sin affects our ability to communicate. The word that's used here in verse 7, it says, Come let us go down there and confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So understand here comes from the Hebrew word shema, and Shema means to listen or to hear. And so this word here could have been, instead of understand, they will not be able to listen or to hear one another's speech. And this word listen and hear 
um, to hear in Hebrew goes hand in hand with obey and to act. So there wasn't two different words for that. When you listen and when you hear, you immediately respond. They, the two go together. So God took away their ability to listen to each other and to respond because they were headed in a not so great direction. And so as a result of that, sin affects our ability to communicate with each other. And we see that, right, in our everyday lives. We see how miscommunication um, it, it's frustrating, it hurts us, it makes us angry, and miscommunication has gotten even worse with texting and with social media. Like, how many times have you read something that just rubbed you the wrong way? Or you got a text from someone that, and you thought they were mad at you? Or you got a text and you chose to read it a certain way that it, it just got you frustrated or hurt your feelings? But then when you talk to that person, that's not what they actually meant, right? Like, who, who does that happen to? Yeah, I think for honest, all of us. Um, so often, I think what happens here is we are, have miscommunication because our, our ability to listen or to hear. When we have miscommunication, if Annika comes to me and she says something that rubs me the wrong way, it's most of the time because I chose to hear it that way. It's not because that was her intention, but I chose to listen to what she said in a certain way. I mean, some of us might struggle with selective listening. Um, It's a real thing. But sin affects our ability to communicate. Um, it's, this is a consequence of the fall, and we unfortunately see that. Like, there is tension, there's heartbreak and friendships because of miscommunication. So, before we talk about listening a little bit more, I want you to think about at your tables what makes a good listener, and how are your listener, listening skills personally? Are you a good listener? So, let's talk about that. All right, are y'all ready or y'all, y'all need more time? We're good? Okay. What, what did y'all come up with? <laughs> what makes a good listener? Um, I, oh, okay, so hi, my name is Cutter. Um, and for me, um, what, what also, I said, like, what makes a good listener, um, this is actually for both people in the conversation, like, coming into it, like, calm, like, everyone calm, like, not angry at, also, all pieces, because I've been in situations, uh, if my parents where seriously like we'll be mad at each other and we don't talk for a couple of seriously days and we ignore each other and then seriously um when they want to talk uh either when i want to talk or when they want to talk one of us is is seriously just uh angry and um 
and it really feels like only that one person gets out their feelings mm-hmm. of of seriously the situation and and the like other person doesn't even get a a single heard in about what they're feeling yeah. about that particular thing and just everything so yeah 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 for sure when we come in with heightened emotions we typically are only going to hear what we want to hear right we're not going to have a posture ready to listen to people for sure yeah it's still soft okay <laughs> sorry um, what i said would make like a good listener is i have like two things um is being patient mm. and being a solid rock mm. because whenever i am talking someone I want patience to like let me get through my stuff and then with the rock I sort of thought about like the bible like the rock on which I stand Mm -hmm. um and also thinking about like a solid foundation that I can lean on yeah and that's when I'm thinking of when I'm talking to someone I want someone that I can lean on um and (laughs) my listening skills uh pretty good i'm a person who like takes things i just like let you vent all on to me and yeah yeah that's all no those are really awesome i think what you're saying is getting onto something like you are leaning on jesus because you know you can't lean on yourself in that situation yeah for sure so what my friend macy said is what makes a good listener is when you ask the person you are listening to, what do they need? Mm-hmm. Like, if you need, like, I just need a, to you to listen to my rant, or I just need a hug, or just whatever. That's what I feel like if I'm having a bad day and I go to one of my friends here and I tell them what I need, I, like, I hope they'll, like, be like, okay, yeah, I'll listen, or whatever. And my listening skills, I definitely do need to work on them because sometimes I have to put my two cents in. I will admit that. (laughs) But um, sometimes I do listen. If it's like a really serious, deep conversation, I'm focused. But if we're talking about something crazy or like a story, I'll be like, oh, wait, I remember this and I have to put my two cents in. And it sometimes annoys my friends, but I'm sorry. Yeah. No, that's good. Asking that question on the front end allows you to make it about them and what they need instead of, like you said, what what you want to make out of the conversation. Um, I think that's super helpful. I've uh, had times before where I just needed people to listen to me and be sad with me, but instead they wanted to fix my problems. And I'm also really bad about that. I just want to fix people. Um, But if you ask them, maybe they just need you to listen. Yeah. Just adding on to what she said, um, intentional listening Mm. like going into it and like she said like how do you need me to listen to Mm. you like is it like she's saying like do you just need ears to hear what you have to say like do we need to go for a car drive like how do you need me to be here for you Mm -hmm. um and then being intentional and following that through and humbling yourself before yeah that's awesome so true anyone else Yeah. Okay. I love um, that everybody whispers into it. Sorry. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm not really sure if this answers the question about being a good listener um, because it has to do with memory. 
Um, but I said that I think someone's a good listener when they actually remember what you um, told them. Mm-hmm. Like, you can be talking to a friend, um, and then the next week they'll ask you, like, oh, how did that go? How did that job interview go or something? Um, and to me, that's just like, oh, my gosh, like, you listened instead of just being like, oh, okay, and then move on to the next thing. Yeah. Or, like, never bring it up. And yeah. that just, like builds trust and um like just makes you more personable and I just think that's like really nice as a human yeah well lets you know that you've actually been heard yeah it's good I got a mic over here secretly sorry (laughs) um so we first talked about the second question and I think that what makes a good listener is identifying your weaknesses Mm -hmm. and discovering like where you struggle when it comes to listening like is your phone the distraction is it like you've had a bad day and you know you can't be present in that situation so just by being aware of like what ways you struggle can automatically help you become a better listener absolutely for sure all right we're good those are great answers guys um so I think if I'm honest and maybe you have the same feeling, you're like, this is great, these are great conversations, but why does the story of the Tower of Babel really matter? Why does it really matter to us? I mean, yes, that helps us maybe understand how we got all these different languages, but why does it really matter uh, what, about Jesus? What does it matter about the gospel, the good news? So. First, I want to read what Walter Brueggemann, a theologian, says about listening. He says, he's explaining what biblical listening is. It's up here on the screen. Listening is the, it's the capacity to listen in ways which transform. Depend, transformation depends upon trust in the speaker, readiness to be impacted, and willingness to have newness come into one's life. Such speaking and listening is the intended mode of speech in the Bible from the first chapter of Genesis. Okay, so biblical listening, the type of speech that we learn from Genesis chapter 1 when God speaks, when the word is spoken, is we have to trust it. Like Melanie was talking about, we need to build trust to listen well. And we need to expect to be transformed. Speech should be meaningful. It has the power to bring life, right, to our community. Okay, so if you were here the very first week of Vespers, um, of the semester, we talked about this posture of communication, um, and we talked about this posture of listening. And who teaches us about the posture of listening? If you were here week one, who teaches us about the posture of listening? Jesus, Jesus, this is the time where you say, Jesus, it's the right answer, like it always is. So Jesus teaches us about our posture to listen. Okay, we talked about in John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Okay, so in the beginning was the Word. Jesus is the Word. Jesus, the Trinity, has existed from the beginning of time. And we talked about how we weren't there in the beginning. So we don't know exactly what happens. And we don't have control over the end. So what is our posture in this story? What's our posture as faithful followers of Jesus? It's to listen. Our posture in the story as Christians 
what we're doing right now, the posture we should have is to listen. But the Tower of Babel, God confused our listening skills, right? So what do we do? How do we be good listeners if that's what we're called to do, but God confused that? Where does that leave us? Y'all, hearing and listening is a very important thing to Jesus because listening leads to obedience. Listening leads to response. It leads to obedience. And Jesus talks about hearing over and over again throughout the Gospels. In John uh, chapter 10, verse 27, it says, My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Jesus calls us to listen to his voice. And then in Matthew eleven fifteen, it says, The one who has ears to hear, let them hear. One who has ears to hear, let them hear. And then in Luke 8, 15, it says, But the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word with a good and virtuous heart and hold it firmly and produce fruit with perseverance. So Jesus, these are just a few verses that he makes clear over and over again that this posture of listening and hearing is so important so important. But that even Jesus, when he was speaking about truth and listening to the truth and hearing the truth, even the people there walking with him were confused still. There were people who still did not have ears to hear. Things that Jesus was saying didn't make sense. Language, speech was still confused. We're still seeing the result of the Tower of Babel. Okay? So Jesus says this in John 16, starting in verse 12. He says, I have many more things to say to you. He has many more things to say, but you cannot bear them in the present time, or you cannot hear them in the present time. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take from mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. This is why I said that he takes from mine and will disclose it to you. So Jesus is saying that I am going to send my spirit. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you, and then you will be able to hear. Then you'll be able to listen again. So in Acts 2, after Jesus ascends back into heaven, we see what is called Pentecost, which is the coming of the Holy Spirit. And in Acts 2, the, the Holy Spirit comes. We're not going to read it all, but you can go read it. It's, it's starting at the beginning of Acts 2. It's really interesting. But then all of a sudden, all of the languages that were around, people in the area were speaking all sorts of different kinds of languages. And all of a sudden, when the Holy Spirit came and entered into them, they were able to hear each other. They were able to hear each other even though they spoke different languages. And so this is foreshadowing this glimpse of what heaven is going to be like. Through the Holy Spirit, we will have ears to hear again. We will have ears to hear truth and to listen to each other. 
You see, Pentecost, Acts 2, the coming of the Holy Spirit is a reversal of the Tower of Babel. How cool is that? How cool is that? It's a reversal of the Tower of Babel. And so through the Holy Spirit, we have hope to be good listeners. We have hope to be good listeners. And I think like a lot of you were alluding to, we cannot be good listeners on our own because we are sinful. But when we choose to invite the Holy Spirit in, he will help us be good listeners. He'll help us be good listeners. And if you are a follower of Jesus, if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again three days later so that you could have eternal life, then you have the gift of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And it is a powerful gift. It's a powerful gift that gives you the fresh ability to listen, to listen to truth, to listen to truth, not just my truth or your truth, not just what you want me to hear, but to listen to the truth, to God, what God wants us to know about him. The Holy Spirit allows us to listen to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. So I want us to think about that as we move on Um, I think it's pretty cool that this all comes together here uh, with Genesis 1 through 11, that we are called to have a posture of listening, and we need to lean on the Holy Spirit to give us the power to lean in and listen, to teach us more about who God is and God's goodness. And practically, as Fellow Christians, if we want to create good community, we need to be able to listen to each other and call out the truth in each other and call out the ways that you see God in each other's lives and listen well and learn what God can teach you through other people about his character. So next time you are presented with an opportunity to listen, which should be really soon, you should always be listening to people, um, especially in hard conversations, I think going into a conversation and inviting the Holy Spirit in, saying, Holy Spirit, let me have ears to hear what you want me to hear. Let me have ears to hear truth, not just what I want to hear, not what my emotions want to hear, but the truth that the Holy Spirit can guide me to. And the same thing, like when you come to church, when you're ready to listen to a sermon or to worship, asking the Holy Spirit to help you have ears to hear what the Lord wants you to hear. So that's your challenge, you guys, um, over, over Christmas break. Be good listeners. Explore this. How can you be a better listener? How can you really tap into the Holy Spirit to help you be a better listener and to teach you more about God's goodness? So I'm gonna go ahead and pray for us and and break us out. Um, And then we have a fun activity planned if you would like to stick around. Uh, But let's pray together. God, you are such a creative God. And man, through this study, we have seen that you are truly working all things out for your good. You have a purpose and a plan through everything 
and this giant story that we get to be a part of, but you also have a plan for each of our individual lives. God, we're just so thankful that we get to be your sons and daughters. And I pray that each of us would accept that, accept that as our number one identity, and that we would feel freedom in that, and we would feel power from you, Lord. And we are thankful for the gift of the Holy Spirit who helps us listen to the hope that you have for us. And I pray that we would be better listeners, that we would desire to be better listeners, that we would desire to have ears to hear, that we would be able to tune out all the noise of the world and have our ears fully focused on you. Thank you for such an amazing semester and showing us more of your love. And we love you in your name. Amen.